You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Good morning, Grace. Thank you for joining us, Grace Online, this morning in these present times. This is how we're gathering as the body of Christ in living rooms, uh, in small uh, gatherings and groups. As you're watching online, we get to share together in God's Word. So again, thank you for joining us as well. I want to thank you for just being Jesus. I, I don't know all of the stories, but I'm hearing phenomenal stories of how the Grace Covenant family is like stepping in and stepping out. And in that, God is like blessing people, encouraging people. So I am uh, I'm blessed to hear the stories of how you're allowing God to work in and through your life in this time. Also, I want to thank you for your continued financial support. Though we're not gathering here, the mission, the ministry of Grace Covenant is still happening. We're serving individuals. We're, we're stepping into places of need. So thank you for your faithful support. You can... Um, give through push pay. You can drop your tithe by the church office, whatever works for you. But again, grateful for your financial partnership in this season, in this season as we are continuing just to live out the love of Jesus right here in the Lake Norman community. Well, we are continuing on this morning in this series. I think it's interesting that God by his leading, I mean, like we planned this seven, eight months ago, that we would be talking about miracles, that we would be working our way through the gospel of John. And we find ourselves in the middle of this situation, obviously, where we need the miraculous power of God working in and through our lives and our church family. So we're looking again to another miracle that Jesus performed. And we find it in the Gospel of John chapter 6. And we're also going to look to Matthew chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open to that passage of Scripture. So I want to begin with a question. How many of you enjoy storms? Like weather storms. I know it's crazy, but, but I like a good meteorological disruption. That is uh, like when it's a distance away. And when Charlotte and I were pastoring in Knox City, Texas, like that's way out in West Texas, uh, you can see for miles. And uh, one of the things that was so fascinating for me growing up in the hills of Arkansas with mountains all around is to be out in the area of the plains and you could see the storms like rolling in like hundreds of miles away. You could see the storms coming off the plain and there would be the, the lightning strikes that would light up the sky. And I was just always captivated, amazed. Matter of fact, we have some, some pretty stunning pictures that uh, we took while we were out in West Texas. But as the storm got closer, this is what we would do. We would head for the storm shelter. Matter of fact, when we, when we first moved there, that's how we first met our new neighbors. So we had neighbors all around us because we were new in the community and really knew no one. And there was a massive storm that was rolling in off the plains of some tornado activity and some hail. So we took shelter in a storm cellar that was part of the house that we had rented. And before we knew it, our neighbors joined us. People we didn't even know joined us in the storm shelter. Quite a way to meet your new neighbors. But one of the things I learned from that is not only storms, the electrical storms, the storms of nature, not only are they amazing by God's creation, but they're, uh, they're, um, they're fun to watch from a distance, but when they get closer, they get, they get really scary. Um, and I think so it is in life, as I was thinking beyond like the storms of nature. Um, there's also storms that we find ourselves caught in in life that can be difficult and challenge, challenging. And I think a storm is a situation that stretches us, challenges us. And often it does this. 
The storms that we navigate through in life, they stir fear within us. And this whole challenge of the COVID-19 virus is a storm that is, has certainly challenged and changed our lives. It has us looking for answers, looking for help. And, and to be honest, to be honest, it's created a lot of fear. I mean, I've even had to deal with that in my own life as I've kind of processed this for my family, for how I lead in this time, dealing with and confronting the fear that comes with the storm. But as we're navigating the storm, what we must never forget is, is that Jesus is the master of the storm. Let me say that again. Jesus is the master of the storm. If you believe that, you can go ahead and, and just text there, say amen to that statement. I don't have anyone here to say amen uh, with me and for me, so maybe they're on the screen. You can text that and just say amen. Listen, Jesus is the master of the storms. He's the one who can bring both peace and help for us. So as we look to the fifth miracle in the Gospel of John that Jesus performed, it happened in the middle of a storm. The disciples found themselves in a, in a crisis situation, and Jesus not only came to them, but he brought peace in, as he stilled the storm. But in the storm, as we're going to discover, not only did Jesus walk on water, but he invited Peter out of the boat, and Peter did something that he had never done before. He walked on water. Now, Peter, obviously, because he was a fisherman by trade, had spent a lot of time on the Sea of Galilee, endless hours. But it was always in a boat, never out of a boat, walking on water. But on this miraculous night, he experienced something like he had never experienced before. But what Peter experienced, I think, is true for all of us. If we're going to walk on water, we have to be willing to get out of the boat. If we're going to experience the miraculous, it's like going to take us to a place that most likely challenges us, and it takes us oftentimes out of our comfort zone. But it's in the storm that the miracle happened. It's in the storm that Jesus met the disciples. As I said last week, like everyone wants to experience the miraculous. Have you ever asked people, yeah, I want to experience the miraculous. We all want to experience the miraculous. But what none of us want to experience is the crisis of the storm that necessitates the miraculous. But we come to those times, nevertheless, times of storm in our lives. And, and what I've discovered, and, and most likely what you've discovered as well, is that following Jesus is not always smooth sailing. Like storms happen. But again, we must never forget who is the Lord of the storm. Now, I've heard people say, uh, oftentimes, you know, just say yes to Jesus and life's going to be like smooth sailing. Say yes to Jesus and wow, life is just going to be wonderful. It's going to be easy. And, and I, that's certainly not been my experience. Maybe that's been your experience. But what I've come to discover is that even though I love Jesus, even though I've committed to follow Jesus, man, I still come to stormy times in our lives. And as we come to those storms, we have to remember that we have one with us who can bring peace, peace in the storm. We have one with us who can even bring his power to work on our behalf. And what's interesting, as we'll see in this story that we're going to read this morning, is that at times Jesus sends us into the storm to reveal his person, his power, and his provision. So again, when you're in a storm, what you want to do, you want to look for Jesus. Don't get so overwhelmed by the storm, whatever it might be, that you allow the storm to cause you to lose your focus. Don't, don't allow the storm to like stir such anxiety and fear within you and that it brings you to a, to a state of panic and that, that you forget Jesus. See, I believe that Jesus not only wants to meet us in the storms of life, but he wants to work in and through our lives in the storms of life to do this, to bring help and to reveal his power, his greatness 
his provision for us. But it may require us to get out of the boat. And that's the challenge. We want to experience the miraculous, but we want to stay in the boat to experience the miraculous. And again, oftentimes it's, it's the miraculous that happens as we're out on the water. And that's what we're going to discover in this fifth miracle that Jesus performed. Now, it's recorded in both the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew. John gives us like the abbreviated version. Matthew gives us the expanded version. And so this morning, I want us to look to Matthew's uh, story of how this miracle played out. But before I read this, let me tell you what's happened here that brings us to this story. Jesus has just done the miracle of multiplication. Um, As we talked about last week, he took a little boy's lunch And he multiplied it to feed 5,000 plus people. And what's interesting is out of the miracle, there comes a storm. And I think that's so true in our lives. Oftentimes, that's the way it happens. We have this amazing time of worship. We have this amazing encounter with Jesus. We see this miracle, or maybe we're a part of the miracle, and it stirs our faith. We're excited. Um, There's adrenaline that's rushing. And like this is one of those like unbelievable experiences that we just walk through. And as we walk out of that miracle, oftentimes, like the disciples, we walk into a storm. Into a storm that can challenge our lives, that can challenge our faith. So let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And let's see what we can learn this morning about the storms of life and how Jesus works his miracles both in our lives and through our lives. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 reads like this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against that. During the fourth watch of the night, which would have been about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. They said it was a ghost because like they had never seen anyone walking on water before. I mean, it was quite common for them to see a boat on the water, but like someone walking on the water, like that was a new experience. When the disciples are crying out, it's a ghost. But notice verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And are those not some comforting words in the storm we're navigating through? Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, as we looked at this fifth miracle that Jesus performed, we, we discovered that there's actually three miracles in the one big miracle. Obviously, the first miracle is Jesus walking on the water. Like this was a first for the disciples, many, uh, many of whom were fishermen. 
And again, they'd spent their lives out on the Sea of Galilee, and they'd never seen anyone walking on water. So there's the miracle of Jesus coming to them, walking on the water. Then there was the miracle of peace coming in the storm. The scripture says that as Jesus and Peter got back in the boat, that all of a sudden there was peace. There was calm. The storm, the storm ceased. But then there's also a third miracle. It's the miracle of, of Peter walking on the water. You know, it's one thing for Jesus to walk on the water. Like we, we wouldn't think that's so surprising. I mean, after all, he, he is the son of God. He's the one who's able to do miraculous things. So to think that Jesus walked on water, that's not like so far of a stretch. But now we have a human being. We have someone like yourself who's walking on water. Again, this is something that Peter's never done before. A mere human walking on water. Like that's truly miraculous. The scripture tells us that that when Jesus identified himself, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And it's interesting. Jesus said simply this word, come. He extended the invitation. He extended the call. So then Peter steps out of the safety and security of the boat and begins to do what, like he, again, he's never done before. Matter of fact, what no human being has ever done before, Peter is now doing. And as I think of this, this whole miracle of walking on water, I think water walking is a, is a picture of doing with God's help what we could never do on our own. Like Peter's not walking on water because he's Peter. He's not walking on water because he has like this, this human super ability. He's walking on water because God is doing the miraculous. God is enabling him to walk on water. So again, water walking here in this story is a picture of God, of us doing with God's help what we could never do on our own. You know, this is the only time that we know that Peter walked on water. It's not like after this time Peter became a water walker, like everyone else, everyone else was fishing out of boats, but Peter no longer fished out of a boat because he could just walk on water. We don't find that. This was the, the one and only time that we know that, that Peter walked on water, and it's because of this. It's, it's because Jesus made it possible. Jesus made it possible that Peter would be able to experience this miracle. And it happened, don't miss this, it happened because Peter was willing to get out of the boat. And if Peter had not gotten out of the boat, I'm convinced he would have never experienced the miraculous. If he had chosen the safety and security, the comfort of the boat, he would have missed the miracle that he got to experience. You know, what's not stated in the text, we don't read this, but we we know it would have been a reality. There was at least 11 other disciples, maybe more. There could have been more followers of Jesus in the boat, but at least there were 11 other disciples who chose the safety and security of the boat, instead of responding to the call of getting out of the boat and walking on water. They could tell of their experience of what they saw. It was only Peter who could tell what he experienced. Why? Again, he was willing to get out of the boat. He was willing to respond to the call, to the invitation. Therefore, he had the experience of what it is to feel the water under your feet. He had the experience to feel like what it's like to defy gravity. Why? Again, he was willing to respond to the call. So from Peter's miraculous encounter, I, I want to talk with you for a few minutes about what's necessary to experience the miraculous. What's required? Because most of the time, most of the time, the miraculous requires our partnership. 
I mean, last week we saw how it was a little boy who, who brought his lunch to Jesus. He had a part to play in the miracle. And oftentimes we find it's true. I mean, for Peter to be a, to experience the miraculous, but he had to step out in faith. He had to move beyond his, what, what might have been comfortable for him. And so it's true in our lives. If we're going to experience the miraculous, it requires faith partnered with action. See, there's a consistent pattern in Scripture of what happens in a life that God wants to use, in a life that God wants to flow His miraculous power through, and we see it playing out in this story. So let me just walk you through what I believe are the steps that lead us into not just seeing the miraculous, but getting to be a part of the miraculous of what God's doing. Well, first, there's always a call. For Peter, it was come. Jesus simply invited him. Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. That was the call. And then Peter, responding to the call, walked on water. For Abraham, the call was to leave, to leave his homeland, to leave everything that he knew, to leave his family, to go to a land that God was going to show him. That was the call. And Abraham responded. Therefore, he became like the father of many nations. For Moses, it was a burning bush and an invitation to be a deliverer for his people. And as Moses responded to the call, God did miraculous, uh, uh, miraculous things through his life. I mean, if you read this, uh, the scripture in the book of Exodus of how there were these miracles that were performed before Pharaoh that God did through Moses. Why? Because he was willing to respond to the call. For Matthew, the disciple Matthew, it was a call to leave the um uh, uh, excuse me, to, to leave his tax collecting business, a lucrative business, that he might be a disciple of Jesus. I know for me it was a call to leave my family, to leave a land I love, being in Arkansas, to go to Bible college. And that was just one of, of many calls that, that God's brought to me in, in my life. But whenever Jesus wants to do something miraculous in and through our lives, there's always an invitation. There's always a call. In this story in Matthew 14, Jesus asked an ordinary person to engage in an act of extraordinary trust, that of getting out of a boat. Not just getting out of a boat, but getting out of a boat in the midst of a storm. It would be, it would be difficult to get out of a boat on a calm day, but when there's a storm that's raging, to get out of a boat at that time, that's quite, uh, that's quite a stretch. But Jesus extends that invitation to Peter. And when he extends the invitation to Peter, Peter had a decision to make. Would he stay in the comfort of the boat? Or would he take the risk to trust Jesus? Would he take the risk to do what, what he knew he couldn't do on his own? And I think for all of us, even as you're watching this morning, this is what I can tell you. There's going to be a call. There's going to be an invitation. Jesus is going to invite you into something that's, that's beyond your ability. That's going to require you to put your faith, to put your trust in him. There's this invitation. It's a call. Maybe it's a call to, to launch out on a business initiative that could positively impact the, the lives of hundreds, maybe thousands of people. Maybe it's a call to start a nonprofit company that could bring like help and hope for others. Maybe it's a call to start a Bible study during your lunch hour in your place of employment that you might there be a representative of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a call, an invitation to boldly share your faith with a friend. You know, in my faith journey, I've discovered 
that, that it's not just one call, but there's many calls. Hey, Jesus is continually inviting us, ordinary folks like you and I, he's continually inviting us to join him in the miraculous. But with the call, there's a second element. And the second element is this, there's, there's always fear. So there's a call and there's fear. Fear is present because we're stepping out into something that's beyond our ability. Fear is there often because we're stepping into what we don't fully know. We're stepping into areas maybe where we don't have all of the answers. It could be maybe fear of inadequacy. It could be fear of failure. It could be even fear of what other people might think about your response. But whatever the fear is, there's always fear that accompanies the call. You know, interesting, the single command in Scripture that occurs more, more often than, than any other, God's like most frequently repeated instruction is formulated in two words. Here it is, fear not. Fear not. Again and again and again, we find that through, throughout Scripture. I mean, God's saying to individuals who've chosen to follow Him, fear not, don't be afraid. So why does God command us not to fear? I mean, fear doesn't seem like the most... Serious vice in the world. It, it never made the list of seven deadly sins in the book of Proverbs. Like no one ever receives church discipline for fear. So, so why does God tell us human beings to stop being afraid more than he tells us anything else? See, I think God says fear not so often because fear is like the number one reason human beings are tempted to avoid what God asked them to do. Fear is the number one reason we don't like get out of the boat. What is fear that keeps us in the boat? Fear disrupts faith and becomes the biggest obstacle to trusting and obeying God. You know, as you look to the Bible, what you discover is that God has a consistent habit of asking people to do things that are scary to them and often beyond their ability. And that's consistently throughout, we find that consistently throughout Scripture. God invites ordinary folks to things that are so far beyond their ability. And again, what does it do? It scares them to death. I know numerous times in my faith journey, God's called me to do things that scared me to death. Uh, like I look at who I am, and I look at my skill set, and I look at what I have to bring to the table, and I look at what God's invited me to step into, and it's scary. And oftentimes if we're not careful, there's that fear that keeps us from stepping out in faith. And it's that fear that can keep us from experiencing the miraculous. I mean, God calls us to things like, like build a $6 million building. Like, how do you do that? Where do you find the money to do that? But it was a call that God extended to me, to our leadership team. Maybe it's a call to go on a mission trip. Maybe to a country that you've never been to before. And God prompts your heart to go. He extends the call. And the question is, will you move beyond the fear to embrace the opportunity? Maybe it's the call to lead a, a small group, discipling men or discipling women or, or discipling a group of individuals. And you're thinking, well, I don't know if I... If I can do that, I don't know if I have enough knowledge to do that. And you begin to think about all the things and all the reasons as to why you can't do it. And if you're not careful, you can get stuck in fear. Or if you're a student today and you're watching this, maybe God's calling you to lead a Bible club in your high school or in your middle school. And you're thinking, well, I don't know if I can do that. And, it, and God's extending the invitation. Again, this is what I know. If you're not careful, fear can keep you from stepping in. To what God might be inviting you to. 
Listen, there's always going to be some level of fear. So to follow God and to get out of the boat, whatever that might be that God's inviting you into, you're going to have to confront fear. If you don't, then fear is going to keep you in the, secure, in the security of the boat. So you may feel safe in the boat, but you're going to miss the miraculous. You're going to miss the miracle that God might want to do in your life. But as we face the fear, then there's a third factor. So there's a call. There's always fear. But here's the third factor that can help us move beyond the fear. There's always reassurance. See, we're not on our own. Isn't that good news? I mean, think about that. If, if God's inviting you out of the boat, again, whatever that might look like, then here's the good news. You're not on your own. You have help. Then so we have the resources of God at work on our behalf. As God invites you out of the boat, what you can be confident of is that God will be with you and God will work on your behalf. In other words, God's going to make up the difference. I know the multiple times that God's extended a call to me and I've stepped out into the call. It's always been over my head. It's always been Lord, something that's greater than what I could do on my own. And this is what I've discovered consistently, continually in my in my uh, like 25 years of leading when I'm willing to step out. God makes up the difference. He brings his power. He brings his presence. He brings his provision. I love the promise of God's word in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Matter of fact, I go to this verse often. It's there that we have this promise. It's there that God says these words. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So who's your helper? Scripture says the Lord is your helper. Therefore, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You know, it's interesting. If you read about Moses' call, the whole burning bush experience, when God was calling Moses to be a deliverer for his own people, Moses responds with a lot of excuses. And oftentimes, that's what we do. Uh, Listen, let's be honest. Out of our humanity, God invites us to something that scares us to death, and we have a dozen excuses as to why we we can't do it. And, And that's what Moses did. What's interesting, for every excuse that Moses brought concerning responding to the call, God reassured him with this, Moses, I'm going to be with you. Moses, I'm going to represent you. Moses, I'm going to go before you. And listen, just as God did that for Moses, so he will for you. Listen, we have that reassurance. God's not calling us out to do something on our own. Actually, he's calling us to partner with him. Like we have the resources of heaven on our behalf. That's the reassurance we have as we are responding to the call. So listen, you may not have all the abilities that are necessary. You may not have all the experience that's required. But what you will have is God's presence, his power, his provision. Listen, when you have the resources of heaven working on your side, this is what I know, friends. The impossible becomes possible. But now you're faced with a question. What will you do? Like, how will you respond? Are you going to stay in the boat or are you going to get out of the boat? When we have the call, we have the reality of fear. We have the promise of God's presence. We have the reassurance But this brings us to a fourth reality. There's always a decision. Will you stay in the boat or will you get out of the boat? Will you take action or will you choose not to act? You know, sometimes as with Moses and Gideon, people say, they say yes to God's call. Sometimes as with the ten frightened spies 
In Numbers 13, in the rich young ruler who spoke with Jesus, they say no. But always, people must decide. What decision will you make? There's always a decision. When Jesus extends the call, we have a decision to make. I mean, this is, this is the critical moment. For Peter, when Jesus said, come, he made his decision. He jumped out of the boat. He made a decision that, that rationally didn't make sense. Why? Because human beings don't walk on water. But it was this decision that gave him the opportunity not just to see the miracle, but to experience the miracle. His decision opened the way for the miraculous. You know, when Jesus calls, we must decide whether we'll step out in faith or whether we're going to step back in fear. Listen, if you want to walk on water, this is what I know, friends. You've got to be willing to get out of the boat. You may have to make the decision to trust Jesus and respond to his call by saying yes and taking the first step. Now, again, you're probably not going to have all the answers you want. For us as humans, we're kind of wired this way, like we want the whole plan. We want God to download the plan. And it's been my experience that when Jesus extends the call, when he, experiences, when he extends the invitation for us to experience the miraculous, he doesn't give us the step-by-step plan as to how it's going to happen and how he's going to show up. What he invites us to do is to take the first step. And as we're willing to take the first step and respond to the call, to respond to the invitation, then he gives us the next step. Then he gives us the support, the resource. Maybe it's someone showing up to bring what they have into the miracle. But this is what I know. There's always a decision. The decision that we make. Will we stay in the boat or will we stay out of the boat? How are we going to respond to the invitation? Which brings us then to the final point. There's always a changed life. You know, I have to believe that Peter's life was changed by, by this miraculous encounter. Although he did not walk on water perfectly. And listen, none of us do. Man, if you're waiting until you get this thing perfect, you'll never get out of the boat. I mean, Peter... Obviously, as he looked and he saw the, the, the wind, the waves kicking up, as he took his eyes off Jesus, as the story says, he began to sink. And oftentimes we, we, we falter, we fail in the midst of responding to the call, just like Peter. Because again, we're not like perfect water walkers. There was only one perfect water walker, and that was Jesus. And if you've not figured this out yet, I'm not Jesus and neither are you. So we will stumble, we will fall. That's a part of the process of responding to the call. But this is what I know, and this has been my experience. As I'm willing to step out in faith, Jesus even takes my faults and failures, and he redeems them not only for my good, but for the good of his kingdom. But there's always, always a changed life. And I believe that Peter's life was changed as a result of this encounter. His life was impacted Although he stumbled again when the pressure was on, if you recall, there was a time later when the pressure was on. Just before Jesus went to the cross, Peter denied knowing him three times. He stumbles again. Yet it's interesting how Jesus redeems and restores. And Peter actually becomes a leader in the early church. He becomes like a, a critical person, a critical influence in what God was doing in this time and the launching of the early church. It was Peter in Acts chapter 2 that, that preached his first sermon. 3,000 people got saved. Listen, I've never had that experience. Like I've had three people get saved, but not like 3,000. 
I mean, that was Peter's first sermon. If you go on to Acts chapter 3, there was a, a lame man that was healed by the power of the Holy Spirit working through Peter. It was Peter who brought like the gospel message to, to the Gentiles at, at Cornelius' house. And I could go on and on. Like God used Peter in some pretty miraculous ways why his life was changed. And I think that's what happens when we're willing to get out of the boat, when we're willing to step into the call. The result is, is our lives are changed. God does a work deep within us. And as we move forward, we're processing life different. Why? Because God's done a transformation in our lives. Now, I believe it was this encounter on the Sea of Galilee that was a part of the change that happened in Peter's life, preparing him for the greater future that God had for him. You know, those who say yes to God's invitation don't walk the walk perfectly, but as they experience God's power, their lives are changed. And those who say no to God's invitation, hear me, they're changed too. They become a little harder, a little more resistant to his calling. Either way, there's, there's always a changed life. So there's a call, there's, there's fear, there's, there's reassurance, there's a, there's a decision to make. And depending on the decision you make will impact who you are. There's, the decision you make has the potential to change your life and to change your future. But one of the lessons, one of the key lessons we learn from this fifth miracle is that if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. So I ask you this morning, what is your boat? Your boat is, is whatever represents safety and security you apart from God himself. So, so what might that be? Your boat is whatever you're tempted to trust in, especially when life gets a little stormy. So I ask you again, what might that be? Your boat is whatever keeps you comfortable and keeps you from joining Jesus on the waves. Listen, the miracle happens, not in the boat, but out of the boat. So what is it, friend, that might be keeping you in the boat? What is it that might keep you this morning from responding to the miracle that Jesus is inviting you into. I know it's a stormy time. I know like there's a lot of uncertainty. So it was the time that Jesus did this miracle when he invited Peter out of the boat. Listen, it was in the middle of a storm. And I believe it's in this storm that Jesus might be inviting you out of the boat in some way because he wants not, not only for you to be a part of the miracle, he wants you to experience his miracle-working power in and through your life. So I challenge you this morning, when Jesus calls, listen, don't stay in the boat. Again, the miraculous doesn't happen in the boat. It happens out on the water. And as we're willing to respond to Jesus' invitation, we'll do more than like just see the miraculous. We'll get to experience the miraculous, just as Peter did. So this morning, I want to take a moment just to pray with you, even as I pray for myself, that when the call comes, and listen, it may happen today. It may happen tomorrow. So you never know how Jesus is going to encounter us, especially in this stormy time, in this stormy season. I want to pray that you would be willing to respond to the call and to get out of the security, the safety of the boat, to experience Jesus working in your life as you're out of the boat 
on the water. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you today that, again, you are the God of the, of the miraculous. I thank you that, that what you did, you're still doing. It's not just that you're the God of, who did the miracles yesterday. You're the God who's still doing miracles today. And, Lord, I believe even as you invited Peter out of the boat, so you invite us out of the boat, oftentimes into the storm. And so it is in this stormy, uncertain time. Jesus, I believe that you're inviting us to step into the miraculous. And so, Lord, I pray not only for myself, but for all of those watching today. Maybe, may we be willing to move beyond fear to step out in faith. When you extend the call, may we be willing to make the decision, as Peter did, to step out onto the water. And Lord, I know there's, there's going to be uncertainty. I know, God, at times there's this fear that we have to move beyond. God, I know at times we look at ourselves and say, well, what do I have to offer? But Lord, I believe that as we step out, God, you step up. As we step out of the boat, God, you show up and you do what only you can do. Lord, we can't do the miraculous, but you can. But Lord, what I know is it requires us to get out of the boat. So Lord, I pray for those watching today, that they would be willing to take that step of faith. And Lord, as we do, I believe we're going to be amazed at how you show up and how you work in and through our lives to bring about your power and your provision. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.